On this episode of AV Week, we look at Avix's weekly look at the industry amid COVID-19. Zoom aims to get more secure and a new standard in AV over IP. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 458, recorded Friday, May 29th, 2020. Two pillars. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. And by Middle Atlantic, what great systems are built on. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week, we'll do ladies first. From the great state of New York and Atlas IED, Gina Sansevero. Welcome, ma'am. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me, and happy birthday! <laughs> yes, thank you very much. It's, we're recording this on May 29th, which, if you didn't know, is, is uh, John F. Kennedy, uh, Shakespeare, and my birthday. So... Um, I'll let you know. I'll let you decide which one of those is the best one. So, uh, also with us, uh, I don't know. Central Time Zone. We'll go with uh, Mister. Actually, no. I'm gonna use, I'm gonna leave him for last because I'm excited that he's here. Uh, Brock McGinnis from Avatas up by uh, Toronto Way. Welcome, sir. I'm sorry you're not excited that I'm here, but uh, <laughs> I'm excited, excited you're here. But never mind. <laughs> I'll explain why I'm excited. Sean's here. Also with us is Neville Bounds uh, from Biamp Byway of the UK. Welcome, sir. Yeah, hi Tim. How are you doing? Thanks very much indeed for inviting me back on. Absolutely. And Neville, uh, is if you're watch, not watching the video, Neville's uh, setup is uh, one of the few ones that that rivals and beats mine. Um, but uh, we we worked with our friends over at uh, at Oralex, and I, I have soundproofing not quite as fancy as, as as Neville's, but it's getting there. So, last but not least, uh, I'm very excited to welcome this man back to the AV industry. He stepped out for a little bit. That I knew him at AMX, but Mr. Sean Robinson is back uh, in the industry with Twelve Bar Insights. Welcome, sir. Thank you very much, Tim. Glad to be here. Glad to be back. And happy 31st birthday. Well, <laughs> thank you. That that works. Yeah, 31 works. Yeah. Um, Sean uh, in, in, and Brock both have, have left, both left their, their respective long-term employers and now are consultants. So I, I think I might be doing something wrong. I just want to point that out there. So um, let's kick this off, guys. And not for nothing, there's there's still, you know, um, there's a number of folks that are still under, under lockdown for, for COVID-19. Uh, the folks at Avixa continue to do um, these uh, these weekly um, uh, surveys for folks, and uh, we're, they've posted another one. One is, is on our website. We'll put that link here. Um, but Brock, I'm going to start with you on this. As Avixa continues to do these these um, surveys, where folks are both regionally and nationally, and somewhat internationally as well. We've got a couple stories, both from Avixa as well as uh, from uh, AV Magazine, our friends over there, looking at uh, both Sean Wargo and, and Jillian Phillips now of AVISPL, what they're look at for the next six months to a year. What are you seeing, both from you know the Canadian standpoint, but also from a North American standpoint and, and the, the clients that you're talking to? What do the, the integrators on the ground expect for the next quarter and even for the next rest of this year? Um, AV integration is typically, it's a, a long tail business. And yeah. so people have a whole bunch of work, um, you know, in their, 
in their funnel, in their pipeline. Uh, and uh, there's a tremendous pent up demand uh, to start, you know, getting sold orders uh, and projects out into the field. So uh, people are excited to be returning to work. Um, I'm sure manufacturers are excited to start shipping again, um, uh, you know, at, at least have customers uh, interested and able to receive goods. Um, the, uh, the concerns are about uh, six and nine months from now not for the next six months. It's, it's that nobody seems to know whether the customers will continue to buy and whether the projects that were only under design but were not yet committed and funded will in fact go forward or, uh, or whether uh, the, the customer base will be hanging tight onto their uh, purse strings uh, until they know what's happening in their businesses and their world. Um, I want to get... Uh... Uh, uh, Gina and, and Neville, you guys' uh, perspective from a manufacturer standpoint. Gina, from your your perspective, both from um, sales and marketing, but also you know from the the U.S. based um, manufacturing. What are you guys seeing, whether it's an education or, or Fortune 500? Um, I think Brock kind of nailed it. What we're seeing is um, we've had a bunch of projects in specific industries like transportation. Um, who were committed uh, for Q3 and Q4 of this year, move it up to now. They're, they don't have to move around gates to get some um, infrastructure updates done. So, because there's nobody in the airports now anyway. Um, so, so they've moved all that up. So we've seen a huge uptick in our transportation business. Um, but what does that mean for Q3 and Q4? And what does that look like, right, for us? Because... That's where it was forecasted. So um, I think Brock is absolutely right. There's an uncertainty six to nine months from now. Um, the economist that NSCA had on a couple of days ago, he kind of confirmed that the most likely kind of economic um, comeback will be that kind of V shape. So really steep decline, really quick recovery. I don't know if uh, the aviation industry is going to be kind of on, on par with that. I think that we might see um, a little bit of a slowdown kind of later in the year. We're hearing from a lot of our integrators, partners, that um, they're, they're not necessarily slowing down, but they're not doing new job walks, right? They're not doing, right. yeah, they're, they're not doing any of that. So what does that mean for Q1 of 2021? Um, from a manufacturing standpoint, we have not slowed down. Um, all of our facilities are up and running. Um, we have not laid off one worker. Um, we have not furloughed anybody. And we are still um, shipping probably more than we have um, over the past, I don't know, past six months. So, uh, you know, thank goodness we're, we're doing pretty well, but you know, we are cautious. Cautiously optimistic. I, I like that too, um, Neville. From your perspective, uh, over in, in in Europe, in the UK, uh, read a story this week. I, I think it was in the in the journal about uh, a new airport in Berlin. They're calling the Phantom Airport, right? Because uh, it is quite empty. And, and the the director there was was talking about what Gina was saying. Is is we're actually thankful that we're under this lockdown right now because they're able to kind of slowly roll it out and slowly, you know. Um, kind of feel it out and, and see where, where some of the issues are. 
Is that what you're seeing both in transportation as well as education where facilities are either shut down or reduced capacity so integrators are able to get in more quickly and do work a little bit more efficiently? Yeah, we've seen a little bit of that, I think, Tim, uh, certainly in the, the London area in, in particular um, and in other large European cities as well. I think the problem with this whole situation is that no one knows. Uh, all I can say so far is that the business for Q3 and Q4, um, for most people that I speak to, still looks pretty reasonable. So these projects have been postponed a little bit rather than cancelled outright, outright. Now, fast forward to 2021, um, that's a whole different uh, ball game, I think, because no one really knows how this is going to play out. And I think that there's still the uh, desire to do large-scale integration projects, both in the transportation and especially in the education field. That that seems to have been absolutely full-on. But um, yeah, what we're going to see uh, coming into Q1 and Q2 of next year is definitely unknown at the moment. All right, Mr. Robinson, you'll get to, to kind of uh, end up with the anchor on this. You know, if if all three of these folks are right and we're looking at, at you know, the rest of this year might be fine because the it's already filled, the, the pipeline's already there. It's filling that first quarter, second quarter of 2021. How do we do that in, in this uncertain time? Yeah, I think it's going to be important to look at which markets, uh, which market verticals are probably going to respond uh, or, or recover the quickest. And I know there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty, but when you look at um, hospitality and entertainment and, and travel, right, those three have been impacted the most, you know, immediately. But I think those are also going to be the ones that, that, uh, that recover the quickest, because just like we were talking about right before we all jumped on the call is that, you know, we all want to get out of our house, right? And so there's a tremendous amount of pent up demand. I know personally, the thing I miss the most is live music, right? And so I cannot wait to get out to see a concert again. So I think what, now there needs to be some, you know, confidence in that uh, there's some progress being made and that the, the curve is, you know, flattened and decreasing and all that. But then people are going to be getting out there and traveling and going to hotels and going back to concerts. So I think those are going to react, uh, re recover pretty quickly. Education. Um, I know everybody's gotten a big taste of that. You know, uh, I've got two boys, one high school, one college, and online is just not as great, uh, you know, as an experience, right? And, and the teachers, the teachers and professors I've talked to hate it, right? I mean, the ones who are forced into it. Now, there always will be that component, but I think education, even if they are going to change, it, they, you know, that, that market seems to be a little bit slow to change. So I think education is going to recover. My biggest concern is the corporate market, and that's one market I've spent a lot of time in. And now that a lot of organizations have seen that remote working and UC collaboration tools actually work, um, and they can and they can actually be functional, and as a company, I think uh, the investments going into new spaces are going to really dramatically decrease. And my biggest concern too is huddle space, right? Talk about lack of social distancing, right? That was such a big, huge market for us all. And now I just don't know how many new ones are going to be built uh, going forward as they're specking out new designs. So that'll be interesting. That's the way I see the most uncertainty around the corporate market, which is a large proportion of the uh, pro AV space. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to point out that, that six years ago, I told y'all I hated the word huddle space. And now, <laughs> yes, now you look at you. Yes, you Now did. look at you. Uh -huh. Yeah. No. Uh, there is absolutely some of that, and, and really some people smart, smarter than me who are talking about, you know, the adjustments and the redesign of, of the workspace. Uh, I don't buy the whole, you know, it's the end of the, of the, of the office in general. There are folks who, who physically, you know, who, who mentally need to go into an office. Uh, talking with a, a friend of mine who's in broadcasting here in St. Louis, 
she's like, I have to go to an office. I, I will not get things done. Right. I simply will end up on, on the couch watching Gilmore girls. Cause that's her show. This is not a sexist statement. That's what she said. Um, and she goes, I have to get up. I have to get ready and I have to physically go. And she does. She still does. You know, she broadcasts from, from St. Louis. So, all right. Um, let's take a look at commercial integrator and, and we'll start with Gina on this. Zoom is getting more and more serious about their end to end encryption. I, I say that somewhat um, sarcastically, but, but they really are. Uh, not only do they have the, 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 the bug bounty, which if you're not familiar with that real quickly, if you're a hacker or you think you are, um, you can go through, you know, Zoom's back end. And if you find a bug, they'll give you money. That is, that is their bug bounty, right? In addition to that, um, they just purchased uh, Keybase uh, about a week or so ago. And now they've laid out a 90-day security plan from the article, quote, unquote, Draft comes shortly after Zoom acquired Keybase, a secure messaging service that is supposed to help Zoom reach that encryption milestone. Since early May, Keybase and Zoom teams have been integrating to help bring that offering to the platform uh, that was vulnerable to meeting, to meeting hacks and other security and privacy concerns. Gina, we'll start with you on this. We use Zoom here at AV Nation. Okay, we have for a number of years. Uh, we personally um, like it um, because I'm able to do certain things from a broadcast standpoint. I can isolate everybody's audio. They haven't gotten to the point where I can isolate everybody's video yet, but audio-wise, Mitchell, our, our producer, can take it and cut things out if I say something stupid or what, you know. Um, but as this whole uh, work-from-home thing happened and Zoom just went through the roof from a usage standpoint, a number of cracks were found. Um, when it comes to a, a either software provider or, or a manufacturer, um, covering those security concerns is becoming more and more important, especially as things you know continue to go on the network. Atlas IAD has a number of products that go on the network. Um, you guys also released a, a, a fairly uh, high-profile speaker last year that also goes on the network. When you're talking with integrators and you're talking with designers, what are some of the concerns that they're saying when you're talking about putting products and putting devices on their network? Yeah, so um, what we do is we keep clear feedback, um, clear routes of communication with our customers, with their customers, and with us. Um, so we make sure that we have network, network consideration documentation for all of our products. Um, it's visible on our website. Um, all of our RSMs and reps have that. Um, at their disposable disposal, sorry about that, to, um, to be able to provide um, all of our products are thoroughly tested. And when there is any kind of uh, update, firmware update or anything like that, all of that communication goes directly to our customers to as quickly as possible. Um, we have focus groups to discuss with our customers and with our end users, so our customers' customers, um, what types of communication that they would want, uh, how often they want communication about, you know, updates for security, updates for bug fixes, updates, you know, all the different types of updates. Um, and, and we take that feedback very seriously. So we have, you know, monthly, quarterly um, communications that go out to ensure that Everybody has a feeling of, um, of security. Everybody is on the same page and that if something is found um, for our products to be, you know, a, maybe a, a fix that has to be uh, band-aided or, or more, um, 
we are we are then able to kind of receive that communication quickly because we keep those lines open. Um, additionally, a lot of our products are in high profile, high visibility, high security, uh, mission critical applications, right? Transportation is one of them. Government buildings is another. And, uh, and so we absolutely 100% take it, take it very seriously when, when doing our training. Um, we have certified integrators for some of our larger products um, and deployments where you have to be certified by our trainers in order to sell the product, install the product, service this product, and support the product. Um, so we kind of pride ourselves on having a really educated um, and, and very transparent relationship uh, with our integrators and then with our integrators' customers as well. Yeah, absolutely. Neville, one of the things that, uh, from the article that Zoom says is that security and privacy are the two pillars of this 90-day plan. What else should be a part of any manufacturer's plan when it comes to looking at the security of their, honestly, of their, of their devices, of the, of the applications, um, but also the applications that are sitting on the network? Yeah, I think you could remember that, that what we're using these products for today, uh, it's not just nice to have. I mean, these are mission critical situations, as, as Gene was just saying. And I think that the security and the usability has uh, is, is got to be right up there. And we all know of other products that have had difficulties in, in the past. And boy, that, that goes through the industry very, very quickly indeed. And I think it's really important that it's incumbent upon all manufacturers to really take the security things very seriously and also have their relationship with the network security managers at the uh, end user level especially uh, because that that's where it's if it goes wrong that that's the call you're going to get so i think it's one of those things that people have taken it more and more seriously over the last three or four years and as we're using uh, things like zoom and, and other platforms as well it, it's got to be number one of the list all right. Uh, Mr. Robinson, I'm not going to pick on you necessarily because you were not the programmer that did this. However, you were at AMX at the time yes. that Ars Technica, a, a technology mm -hmm. blog, uh, busted open some back doors that, that mm -hmm. you guys had. So from a manufacturer, a former manufacturer standpoint, but also from a consultant standpoint, as you're dealing with manufacturers and, and the integrators, what should be in a in kind of a, 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 a plan, right? A security plan for both manufacturers and integrators? Yeah, that's a great question. And thank you so much, Tim, for bringing that up because uh, that <laughs> helped me remember that sleepless week that I had. That was after we were just acquired by Harman. And so, yeah, all those uh, late night phone calls with uh, the head of Harman and all that, Ooh, good times. But um, yeah, what, you know, the, the environments that AMX have been going in for years, again, we're very highly sensitive environments. And so that we're getting some pretty significant penetration testing going on. and. You know, one of the things is it's a tremendous investment. I can tell you for a fact, for a manufacturer, we spent millions and millions of dollars on security features, right? It's a lot of work. And as Gina was pointing out, it's not just work in development, it's work in documentation. Um, but, but literally the most important thing is what we found during that, we learned a tremendous amount during that. And it was so awesome having Mr. Zeely on board along with me as we went through that process. Um, but um, one of the things we really learned is that when you're dealing with IT organizations, it's not, you know, RS Technica made it seem like the world was, you know, crumbling and, and, and all these horrible, Well, horrible they things. made it seem like the world was crumbling because it was in the ready room, the war room of the, the White situation, House, right? Right, right, right. Situation of the White and then House, putting right. Batman in there and all the other. That was the backdoor name, yes. That was awesome, yes. 
Um, but what we found is when we talked to the IT departments um, and their leadership, you know, for the very, very large, you know, Fortune 100 financials, it was another day in the office for them. They're like, hey, give us the facts. Tell us what the vulnerability is and we're good, right? Yeah. They weren't panicking about it at all. It's something that they face in the IT industry all the time. Vulnerabilities come up. It's, it's responsiveness and transparency. And, and so that's why I was extremely impressed with, uh, with Zoom and what they've done with Eric Yuan running the show. That, what an excellent example of leadership because this issue came out. What did he do right off the bat? He took full responsibility for it as a CEO, as a leader, full responsibility. They put a plan in place. This acquisition is, is one part of the plan. And then they're being extremely transparent about what they're doing to the point where they're putting their design on GitHub for peer review and, and interviewing people and getting feedback. I think that's a great lesson for all of us in the AV industry, uh, for manufacturers specifically, is that is an excellent way. Look at this as a case study on how to handle this type of situation because wow. they, yeah. they did it in a great way, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Brock, you wrap up here. His, and, and if you're not familiar with GitHub, really quickly, um, it is a repository of open source programming, right? Uh, I, I've referenced this a couple of times, actually the last couple of days with some folks, where whether it's 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 um, Python code or C++ or C-sharp code, you can go both submit your, your, your programming there and say, okay, guys, knock yourself out. Or it's also a place where you can get uh, sample programming, right? Where people will share uh, information as well. Brock, you've been in the industry for, for a minute. Do you see the, the industry doing something like that besides Eric? And I would, I would pull Zoom into the AV industry uh, to a certain aspect. Um, do you see that where, you know, a number of any manufacturers saying here, GitHub or here, open source or creating some sort of bug uh, bounty uh, for people to go after their stuff? Um, short answer is no. Um, the uh, I, th I think we've got a, a lot of uh, smaller inward facing manufacturers in the business uh, that all think that they have, uh, you know, a better mousetrap or a better idea than someone else. Um, and, uh, and are not that much into, into sharing with one another. Um, that said, uh, we're starting to see a lot more open source uh, initiatives. Uh, video codecs and, and um, uh, you know, audio transport and whatnot, which is a, uh, which, you know, which is a positive thing. Those tend not to be the, the, the companies, the financial end of the business. It tends to be the technology people. Um, you know, one thing we do have in our industry is people who are passionate about what they do. Uh, most people aren't here for the livelihood. They're here because we love this stuff and if we weren't doing it for a living we'd be doing it as a hobby um and uh, and so there is a lot of sharing uh, certainly at that level but i don't you know i don't see crestron uh you know opening opening the kimono to uh their competitors uh, anytime soon uh you know that and not to pick on crestron but no. it it's just it's not been the the nature of the industry what amazes me about this though this particular story is i cannot believe that zoom wasn't encrypted in the first place like that was i, I can that uh, is a shock to me well here's the thing and and they are not they are not high level um department of defense or, or uh department of justice um certified yet right they, they have a, a lower level and you can use it in, in certain parts of the government u.s government um 
but they're not to the level of let's say a Cisco switch that has a right. a, a dedicated um, uh, switch and, and it's encrypted and it's all that. It, it's I I am not oh, I was not overly surprised that it wasn't encrypted end to end. Um, mm. Simply because I, I don't know, it's it's one of those things. Where I I don't know that that Skype is is encrypted all that well end to end. I mean, there is some encryption on it, but it's not infallible, right? Um, and I I've said this quote a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand more. Uh, Teresa Payton, which if you are in the AV industry and you're not following her and not reading her stuff, you need to. Uh, she was the first CTO of the White House under uh, President Bush, the, the second President Bush. She said in a uh, presentation that I was able to to uh, moderate. She said, it's not a question of if, the question is when you will get hacked or get, at least mm -hmm. to get attempted to get hacked, right? And that means you, Mr. Integrator, as well as manufacturers and your, and your right. product. So you need to keep yourself safe. Um, we, I think we've got time for one more real quick one. Uh, I want to get to your guys' two cents on, on a new industry standard out here. Uh, the Alliance for IP Media Solutions called AIMS, uh, and they've got a pro AV working group. They have released an AV over IP standard, IPMX, uh, based on SMPT, SMPT, uh, S-M-P-T-E, uh, S-T-E, S-T, 2110. It is their AV over IP standard. It's, it's based on a broadcast standard. Um, and uh, Neville, we'll start with you on this real quick. In this, what feels like very crowded um, room of AV over IP standards. Number one, did we need another one? And number two, what are your thoughts on, on IPMX? Well, we love standards, don't we, in this industry? We, we, we can't so get many. enough of them. We can't get enough of them. And if, if they're incompatible with each other, then so much the better. Um, this is <laughs> an interesting development. SMPT 2110, uh, I was involved a little bit with it in my, my previous job. Um, and uh, yeah, it's got some promise, I think. But again, we've just got to be really careful about how this stuff is, is rolled out and compatibility issues. And also from the, the manufacturing point of view, um, you know, what, what are the demands going to be from the manufacturing and the design? point of view um, and these things tend not to happen that quickly because you then get to need to get everybody on board i mean look at um i don't know dante or avb for example that didn't happen overnight that took a lot of doing and it, it, to take a lot of manufacturers with them uh, to, to get them on board so i think this has got some promise um but you don't want to be in a rush for it i would say yeah. Sean, same kind of question. As you're, as you're talking with folks, both from the manufacturer side as well as the consumer side, is this another standard that we need or is this, is this going to muddy the waters? You know, now that I'm not connected in with a manufacturer, I can speak a little bit uh, less politically correct, I guess. Um, so let me, on these standards, let me, let me just say that, you know, you always have to ask yourself, what's the incentive for the manufacturer? I mean, you know, when, when, they're, when they're spending all this money in development, what is gonna drive them to spend extra effort and, and, and dollars on actually uh, adhering to a standard? And especially if you are a, you know, if you're desiring or you are a full solution provider, like a Crestron or an Extron or a Harman, if you come in and say to these companies, right, hey, you should, you should be a part of the standard, they're gonna go, wait a minute, why? What's in it for me? At the end of the day, it's a cost benefit analysis. And I think that's why we see so many of these standards that just, they're, they're cool. There's lots of benefits for the integrator and the end user from an interoperability perspective. Even, you know, AV consultants love it too because they can tick pest of breed and, and it's, things are guaranteed to work together. But th at the end of the day, it's not, nothing's ever going to move forward unless the, manu the manufacturers all get behind it and they have to be forced into it, literally forced into it by customer demand 
um, that they see that there's truly a benefit or it just ain't gonna happen. I'm just, yeah. That's what I've seen. All right, I, and I, I forgot my 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 Bradford rule, which is I have to I have to spell out the uh, the acronyms because SIMPTI is not just a word; it's an acronym. It stands for the Society of Motion Picture and Television Engineers. It is it's become a word in, in the broadcast industry, uh, but it is it stands for something. Uh, Brock, when you're talking with folks and you're designing systems. Um, is it something where you take a look at what's the most popular or what's the most uh, popular and the most um, uh, the, 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 the proper um, solution for the job where well, you're talking with both, you know, both engineers as well as, as the clients that you work with? Uh, ideally, you're looking for a best solution, not most popular. And, okay. uh, you know, this this being your birthday and now that I know how old you are, you, you do know why I chose beta rather than VHS. I absolutely uh, know why. Yeah. Cause you didn't uh, watch movies longer than 60 minutes. <laughs> Wait, I want to know why. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, it was a better quality. Beta was absolutely a better quality, but you couldn't, what was it? Was it, was it 90 minutes? You couldn't get longer. It was, there was a limitation to beta, right? Yes. Um, and you could also get stereo much earlier and there, okay. there was just, there, there were just a whole bunch of advantages. Um, a lot of this comes down to the, to, uh, the commercial aspects for sure. Um, you know, uh, AVB, I think was a tremendous standard if they could have got the switch manufacturers on board and some other, uh, some others on board, it would have gone a lot further than it did. Um, the proliferation of Dante absolutely blows my mind um, about how it, amongst all the digital audio standards, has just kind of uh, has, uh, I, I'll say, weaseled its way to the top. But everybody, everybody's got Dante and you got to have Dante. And then they said, oh, I'm going to go into video, um, at which point ev everybody looked at it and went, oh, wait a minute here. What have we done? <laughs> And maybe they're weaseling their way back down. Um, it's uh, uh, the interoperability and the ability to choose best of breed is just, you know, uh, as you said, was, um, is really, really nice from an integrator or a, uh, or a design perspective. Um, all I really know is that all of these standards seem to have a pretty short shelf life in terms of what's popular and what's uh, what's not at any given time, because it is it is in all manufacturers' interest to be introducing something new all the time um, and have a reason for new models and new products and and new interest um, and uh, uh, so. Um, so this is great. Let's, uh, let's try this one for a while. Um, some fairly small companies that are promoting it yeah. at this point. Uh, I, I want to get Gina in on this because, um, Atlas IED, not for nothing, but one of their, one of their main, uh, verticals is transportation. And they, if you've been to, you know, Miami airport, you've been to the majority of the airports, at least in the, in North America, and then they have, uh, something like 50% uh, saturation globally. You've heard an Atlas IED system, right? Um, that there are there that runs on a couple of different protocols. One of them is Dante. Um, but Gina, when it comes to looking at protocols, Dante is a privately held company. That that protocol, that standard, if if we're going to use that word, is a privately held protocol. AVB is not right. The, this 
this protocol is not. It is. It is. Simpty is a is a uh, volunteer organization. AVB is is, uh, is is was created by the IEEE again, a volunteer organization. Um, are there disadvantages, I guess, to doing it, picking up a, a protocol or a standard that's done by volunteers versus one that's ran by a for-profit company, and so they're going to have a financial interest, a fiduciary interest in you know, perpetuating it and making sure that it, it goes forward and, and it continues to evolve. So I love your question. I actually honestly don't know the answer to that. I can tell you that we've adapted um, Dante because of demand. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's exactly what Sean and Brock were saying. I mean, when, when we hear that our customers need this protocol or this standard, uh, it behooves us to listen. Um, and, and I wonder, you know, does a standard such as this, this open standard for IPMX, does it guarantee interoperability? I mean, I think back to HD base T and it was like, oh, which flavor do you have? Because my HD base T is not talking to your HD base T. So, so, you know, when it's, when it's something that's an open standard like this, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what those benefits are um, at some point. Sometimes it, it doesn't, prove to make things easier for the integrator or the consultant. Yeah, absolutely. And that'll be a good place to stop. I love the fact that, that Sean is, is nodding his head about the different flavors of HD based tea. Though, oh, he, 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 he lived, oh God. He lived those nightmares. That's where all the hair went. That's where all the <laughs> hair went. So. All right. Well, thank you all so much for, for joining me uh, today. Thank you, uh, Gina Sansevero from Atlas IED. Thank you so much. Uh, where do people find you or Atlas if they are so inclined? Well, thanks for having me, Tim. Again, happy birthday. They can find Atlas IED um, at atlasied.com, Atlas underscore IED on Twitter, Atlas IED on Instagram, always on LinkedIn. Um, and I am on Twitter at Gina Sands if you just want to say hi. And in a couple of weeks, you need to because it's her birthday as well. So she turns 21 and we'll be getting her a bottle of vodka. Uh, <laughs> Brock, Brock McGinnis, uh, thank you, sir. How do people find you or uh, Avatos? Uh, I'm at Brock McGinnis on Twitter um, or Brock at Avitas, A-V-I-T-A-A-S dot com. Uh, and uh, happy to hear from you. All right. Mr. Neville Bounds, thank you, sir. Uh, how do people get a hold of you or Biamp? Yeah, it's Biamp.com is the website. And you can find me on LinkedIn uh, or on Twitter at NevTech27. Right, very good. And last but not least, Mr. Robinson, very good to see you again, sir. Uh, Great again, to be welcome back. back. Welcome back. We're like the mafia. You just you, you, you think you're out, and we we, we suck you back in. Suck you back in. Uh, so how do we get a hold of you or Twelve Bar? Yeah, just come and see me at the website twelvebarinsights.com. That's number twelve, and then barinsights.com. And then my social links are at the bottom of every uh, web page. All right, very good. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, don't follow me uh, because between me and uh, Ninja Meg and a bunch of others, of us others, we were very excited. The fact that hockey is back the first of July, so that's what we'll be talking about. Uh, but uh, go by the website if you would, please. Avnation.tv. That's Avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. It's also a brand spanking new website. That means two things. Number one, there are things that don't work. So go there, <laughs> click on the links. Let us know what doesn't work. I mean, it's not 
it's not a perfect science, right? Uh, but yeah, some really great folks uh, spend a lot of time on it. So check that out. Also, while you're there, check out our supporter section. These are the folks who help us financially help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week and all the others. And Biamp is one of those. And so is Atlas IED. And we thank them for their support. Uh, we will be hanging out for Infocom Connected in a couple of weeks. And uh, this is for those of you who are in the residential space. Uh, Cedia did announce the fact that they are canceling this year, but they will also be doing a, a, a virtual version of that. Uh, so we will be doing some stuff with that. So you can find all of that at our website, avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>